Are you ready for the end of the world? That sounds pleasant. <laughs> yeah. This is Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. Circle of family, circle of friends, circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to Your Community Spirit on your community radio station. My favorite part of community is right in the middle of community is you. <laughs> yeah, you are in the middle of community. <laughs> so if you would like to be part of your community and your community radio, feel free to give us a call because we have just hit 59% of our friendship drive. Thank you. Thank you for everybody who's called in. Keep calling in. Keep pledging. Yes. You can put us over to 60%. 618-457-3691. Oh, by the way, this is Orda Energy Mon. Yes, and this is Tree Song. And we are your community spirit this yes. morning. <laughs> so, And we're going to get started off with a special guest here. Uh, can we... I'm get... not special enough? Oh, yeah. Well, we're both all special in our own ways. Oh, okay. <laughs> Someone who we usually and I only have on about once a year for this special event. So uh, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about why you're here? My name is Shamar Ruperto, and I am the director of For Kids Sake. We are an international charity headquartered here in Carbondale that supports orphans and students in Bangladesh. And I'm here to talk when about... You, when you say you support them, I mean, you support a lot of them. It's not just like a few. No, we support a lot. We have 550 orphans at any given moment and over 4,000 students at our between our different six facilities. Keeps expanding, yeah. It does keep, keep expanding. Keep money. And people keep coming in Bangladesh. There is a huge need. Um, how many years have this... I mean, there's been a lot of different fundraisers, but this particular one, seems like it's been quite a few years now. Yeah, this is our seventh annual Superhero nice. 5K. People oh, like yeah. superheroes or being superheroes. Well, we need superheroes. They're the ones that go above and beyond their own desires and agendas to save other people. That's it. Yeah, that. like, yeah. So what exactly is the superhero 5K? Well, in its essence, it's a 5K run walk. It's at Turley Park, and it's next Friday, September 29th. The race starts at 6 p.m. You say a race. Do we have to actually compete? Um, yeah, you're competing for goodness and helping kids in Bangladesh. No, I'm just kidding. There is... Um, and against your own fears of not finishing. Just like, <laughs> yeah. Just All kinds of competition and racing going on. Uh, no, you can run or walk. We have everything from really competitive runners to people in strollers and walking their dogs. So it's all over the board. Everybody's welcome. And that's what makes it such a fun community event is you have people who are five years old running the race, 75 years old running the race, serious people, supporters and lovers are for kids sake, um, all over the board. Yeah. And I've participated a few years now in a row and I don't, I don't try to compete against other people, but I do try to improve my time each year. So it's sort of a fitness challenge for me as well as helping one the kids. One second better is good enough. Yeah, if it's one second better, you know, then I've... Especially because I'm getting older each year. I oh. Don't let on, you <laughs> so know. You should get a little slightly worse each year. Yeah, so if I can get a few seconds better each year, then yeah. I'd say if you could just maintain. Yeah, <laughs> maintain, like... yeah. And it's a great cause, too, to help out all of the kids and the orphans and students in Bangladesh. And Absolutely. I mean, it's the $20 registration fee will feed 57 children. Woohoo. Yeah. Just, like just by registering, you have just fed, you know, a small orphanage. Yeah. One of their, their dinner. 
That's great. And it's good to point that out, too, because people might be thinking in U.S. terms when they're thinking of where their $20 goes. But when you think of the go- all the good it can do over there, it's great. That's one of my favorite things about working with For Kids Sake is just how much impact you can have with so little funds. And, um, you know, for $500, it, that's what supports an orphan for an entire year. All their meals, that's over 1,000 meals, making sure they have a bed to sleep in, um, you know, tutors, school help, an amazing education, all that for $500 a year. It's, it's really heartwarming. Well, my what's heartwarming for me is I go watch all the kids all dressed up in uh, tons of different outfits. That's mm-hmm. so I I have no desire again to run, <laughs> but I will run over there and watch people be all excited. Yes, that is. A I probably cool. should walk it again. You, but, you could do you know, it, or you could but, do it. I have faith. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what makes this event really fun. Is for kids sake always focuses on kids helping kids and this race is about over a third of this race is is kids who yeah. run the race and they do they dress up in superhero outfits we encourage that we actually have um a competition for the best superhero I don't think any outfits of them does the hulk because that would slow them down running well we had a hulk last year oh well psh. we had an amazing hulk last year yeah. um who ripped off his shirt and everything for the competition <laughs> and the awards and the winner of the best award uh best superhero outfits gets handmade for kids at capes mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like. yeah so where can people find out more information and register for the 5k so you can register online, www.forkidssake.net, and pre-registration actually ends today. Ooh, get so it. get online today, or you can give us a call at 618-529-5044. We can register you over the phone. And if you miss today, you can come on the day of. Registration opens at 4.30 next they Friday. They charge you extra money. I know it. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's, it's $5 more, there and we can't go. guarantee your T-shirt. Yeah. But you can still come out on the day of if you miss it. And kids stay $10. There are, anyone under 18 years old is $10 if you register today or on the day of. There you go. Kids for kids' sake. Kids that, for kids' sake. You changed the name. I mean, <laughs> just like, <laughs> thank you very much. Now we get to talk about the world is ending. Yes, thank you for coming on. Hurricanes thank you hit so much. more coming. This is from some friends of mine in the Caribbean. Um, In response to the devastation caused by Category 5 Hurricane Irma throughout the, this is the Rotary, because my Rotary friends, their Rotary District, the district set up a special disaster recovery committee. Now, here's the thing that really grabbed me about this message. Through September 12th, there have been 11 named storms, six hurricanes, and three major hurricanes as Category 3 or higher. This is well above average, given that the 30-year average is for the entire season is 12. So yeah. they're at 11, um, and you know, 10 days ago. Yeah, they're and already so, at the average, and the uh, the year isn't over yet. <laughs> right. I mean, this is just literally hurricane season starts like you know, third week of August. Well, usually first week of September, but this year. So Irma's maximum sustained winds were 185 miles per hour. Now, that sounds high, but it was sustained for 37 hours, setting a new record for length of time. A tropical cyclone maintained winds of that strength anywhere in the world. Irma was one of only four hurricanes without at least 185 miles per hour in the Atlantic on record. 
The other three were Wilma in 2005, Gilbert in 1988, and Allen in 1980. Now, Harvey and Irma both made landfall in the U.S. as Category 4 hurricanes, marking the first time since 1851 that has occurred in the Atlantic. So, yeah, yeah this is direct from friends of mine who are living in the Caribbean. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that when I was hearing about the effects on the Caribbean. That you've, you know, you've been to the Caribbean, and so you know people there. Uh, yeah, it's, it was it was devastating on the U.S. mainland too, but especially, you know, it used up some of its energy as it approached and went through the Caribbean. So it was even more powerful there. On Tuesday, I was talking to a guy from, um, from Marion that a group of them went down, just came back from Haiti to um, repair damage from, you know, back in the day, you know. I mean, and he was saying how devastated it was even, you know, all this time after Haiti got hit. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we were talking because I do solar and he was talking about, hey, we put up some solar on this. You know, so it's just like we we went to Port de Prince and bought some homemade solar panels and hooked them up to this water pump. And now this village has water and we were able to bury a bunch of pipes. And, and so I was just like. All right, I want to help you next time. So <laughs> yeah. Just like maybe we can bring some not homemade solar panels down. <laughs> yeah. Like, solar so, helping people out. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, the ability to have just some, you know, drinking water is tremendous for people. Yeah, so. it's huge. Especially after disaster like that. It's good to hear the stories of all the helpers, too, because, you know, there's the Mr. Rogers quote that I often quote look for the helpers uh, whenever there's a disaster happening. Um, and it's it helps I mean, you realize they're not proclaiming it big time. Yeah, they're usually not wearing their superhero capes, you know, you but know. <laughs> they're quietly going down there and getting those water pumps installed and getting all sorts of aid to people. That being said, if anybody who does want to be trained in disaster response, uh, Rotary is doing a free training on the last Saturday of this month in Mount Vernon. Yeah. And because I remember I'm finally going to get trained because I remember when, you know, 2009 hit I wanted to go volunteer places and I was not officially trained and so I couldn't go volunteer anywhere yeah you know I had to do it on my own but I couldn't do it through an organization and so if you're actually trained in the case of a disaster they can contact you and say hey we need this and we need that and so like I registered my truck and I registered my trailer and I registered the fact that I have a tow chain and a chainsaw. And so if there's yeah. an emergency and they need any of that equipment or me, it's available for the need. <laughs> so, yeah. You'll be high on the list and September is national preparedness month. So it's the perfect time. If you've been meaning to get around to disaster preparedness, uh, now is the time. So let's see. In other news here, we have uh, food chain reaction. World hunger rises after decades of decline. So world hunger is rising now. The number of hungry people in the world grows, grew to 815 million in 2016. How do they count that? I mean... Yeah, that's an interesting... I, I do wonder exactly how they count it. They've got... I mean, especially when you're talking a 38 million person increase yeah. from the previous year. That's tremendous. Now, I could say that they could probably count, like, a country that has lack of food available, period. Yeah. And therefore, they can say, you know, there's not enough food here to really feed the people. 
and so everybody's getting calorie restrictions. Yeah. So they could figure that one out. That's. I'm sure there's a lot of complex math involved. <laughs> you know, knowing knowing some of these researchers, they've probably got complex methodologies for calculating exactly how many people are going hungry. Now, research pinpoint a rise in conflict and climate change-related shocks as the major drivers, and they're related. Spikes in heat are linked with spikes in violence. That makes sense. When we get hot-headed, <laughs> just <Yeah>. like... <laughs> we get hot-headed when it's hot out. <laughs> just like... Extreme drought and war caused famine in South Sudan for several months this year, and conflict-affected countries like Somalia, Yemen, and northeast Nigeria are currently at risk of famine, the UN reports. Yeah, as as the climate becomes less stable, the world faces many food security challenges. Climate-related disasters, more frequent and more intense droughts, floods, and storms, can destroy crops and homes. Meanwhile, climate change has begun to affect crop yields and decrease the nutritive benefits of many plants. And now this is something, you know, this doesn't downplay the other causes of conflicts. You know, we've had authoritarians and violent people around the world causing conflicts for pretty much all of history. But when you add to that, you know, those factors, plus it's getting hotter, plus the crops are failing, plus these other stressors. You know, it makes it worse. Now, the growing availability of high-calorie, nutrition-poor foods. So, I mean, you wouldn't think of people starving in the U.S., but we do have people who are starving. Yeah. Like, I mean, my theory is a lot of people are overweight because they're actually starving nutrition-wise. Yeah, there's such a thing as, yeah, I don't know the, doesn't have it here, the official term for it, but, you know, when you're receiving enough calories but you're not receiving nutrition, you can get you know, all sorts of deficiencies in your diet. And that contributes to health problems. As Western food companies expand to poor countries, they introduce junk food to more people. In a New York Times investigation of Nestle's impact on obesity and malnutrition in Brazil, the authors point out a sobering fact. Quote, across the world, more people are now obese than underweight, end quote. And that's my theory, is literally... High-calorie, low-nutrition food causes us to be obese, and that's a sign of malnutrition. It's just on the other side, you know. The more and more the sign of malnutrition is actually obesity. Yeah, well, and it can turn it can turn malnutrition into sort of a silent killer too, because if you're getting enough calories, you can feel like you're getting enough nutrition. But then if the food isn't as nutritious as it used to be, then down the line, you start getting more illnesses. Well, for example, eating healthy is good. (laughs) Homeless people tend to um, live on those 69 cent big gulp drinks, you know, and they're getting thousands of calories just in pure sugar. Yeah. And that's, you know, they're getting plenty of calories to. So they survive, but then their blood sugar gets thrown off They're you know. They may be at higher risk for diabetes, that sort of thing. So, I mean, basically, that's all they live on is sugar. Yeah. So, So, let's see. In other news, we have tiny homes in the path of Kinder Morgan's Trans Mountain Pipeline. Deep in the interior of British Columbia exists the territory of... I don't know how to pronounce this one. That's why I was letting you read this (laughs) one, because I was just like... Sequepimolek. Now, I'm... I will admit it is my my cultural bias. I'm usually pretty good at pronouncing the European names that are lesser known, but 
Sequepe Molek. So the indigenous tribe that lives in that region. It's the largest unceded indigenous land holding that the Kinder Morgan Pipeline Expansion Project is proposed to pass through, covering up to 518 kilometers of the pipeline route. Prior to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's unilateral approval of the Trans Mountain Pipeline... Wait a second. I thought he was, like, very environmental. Well, the, the media says he's very environmental, but I'm sure if you ask this tribe, they would not agree. Uh, so he, he gave unilateral approval for this project. Uh, both the federal and now the former lib- liberal provincial governments failed to consult with the tribe as the proper title and rights holders collectively. So grassroots members of the unceded tri- uh, nation uh, took matters into their own hands. At an emergency National Assembly in June 2017, organized by the surviving kin of the late Sewepmek Chief Arthur Man- Manuel leadership, women, youth, and elders discussed the needs to uphold the protection of their traditional territory. So they came up with this plan called the Tiny House Warriors Plan, and it's kind of what it sounds like. They're building tiny houses that are in the path of the pipeline. Because then if you have these houses in the path of the pipeline, that's a greater resistance to the development. I mean, not just houses, but people living in the houses. Yeah, people living in the houses. I saw a video. They're doing murals, artwork. You know, it's, it's sort of, you know, like a cultural revival. It's turning a crisis into an opportunity. They're getting together, building these little tiny house villages, as sort of as a barn raising, having murals put up and all that. So this is part of their effort to stop the Kinder Morgan Trans Mountain Pipeline from crossing unceded territory. That's an interesting point to note, too, that uh, there are a lot of territories that were not ceded by the indigenous tribes. You know, the, the Canadian government claims that it runs the, the whole of Canada, but some of the tribes there never signed a treaty saying you can have our land. So uh, they have at least some rights to say what happens on their land. In theory, they have all rights to say what happens yeah, on their it's land, but like <laughs> it's, it's a legal struggle that's going to ensue. So there's a Tiny House Warriors Facebook page, and there's a hashtag Tiny, Ho- Tiny House Warriors. Tiny House Warriors. Yeah. That makes you think of, like, little people. Uh, tiny Warriors. Just, like, just tiny little warriors and just, like, you know, taking on the house of, you know. Yeah, Taking on the government. I think the warriors are big and the houses are tiny. <laughs> Maybe they just barely fit in there. <laughs> it's like... Proterra electric bus travels 1,100 miles without recharging. A 40-foot electric bus from Proterra, Inc. traveled 1,101 miles... 0.2. Plus yeah, there's 0.2. a 0.2 also. The Very one important. Sure. <laughs> That's 1,772.21 kilometers at low speed without charging, cruising to a new electric vehicle range record. Now, it says low speed. Does that mean like two miles an hour? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just like, I mean, no matter what, it made it, it, made it over 1,000 yeah, miles. 1,000 I mean. miles for uh, a 40-foot bus, too. It's not just like a little scooter that made it <laughs> that far. A typical Proterra bus costs about 750000 compared to the roughly 500000 for a typical diesel bus. Chief Commercial Officer Matt Thor- Horton said in an interview, Proterra has lower operating costs, but co- must convince customers that the higher sticker price is worth paying. Quote, heavy-duty electric transit vehicles now have the capacities they need. 
the capabilities they need. We will be turning our focus even more so to driving the cost down, he said. While battery weight is seen as a problem for heavy-duty trucks eating into cargo capacity, Horton said that a bus is much lighter than a loaded big rig, even with a full component of passengers. Proterra developed the battery for its bus with Korea's LG uh, Chem LTD. The bus maker has been assembling battery packs at a new factory in Burlingame, California. It sold 190 buses last year and is, is on track to far exceed that this year, Horton said. Navistar Proving Ground confirmed the single charge trip. Here it is. It says at 15 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. Proterra said it set the record earlier this month and beat a previous record of 1,013 miles by a light-duty passenger vehicle. Yeah. So not only did the bus go farther than a regular car, <laughs> it did it as a bus. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean... And 15 miles an hour, you know, at, in that's kind city of driving. In city, yeah. yeah. You and might... then, I mean, not only that, but city driving, there's a lot of stop and grow. So when you're stopping, you recharge the battery. You know, you hit the brakes, that's regenerative braking. Yeah. So that means... I mean, there's no limitation now. I mean, yeah, the sky's the limit. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I can't imagine what how, how often do you have to fuel up a bus in you know the city here? Yeah, I mean, and they mentioned the difference in initial purchase price, which you know is a significant difference, but it earns it back in the course of its operations. Um, I'm you know switching from diesel to uh, electric charging. And there, well, not only that, but there's a lot less parts to wear out and be replaced than fixed on electric vehicle yeah i mean you're literally talking about batteries an electric motor and then the regenerative braking system yeah yeah so it's a lot and i've read that electric vehicles the brakes last a lot longer because they have the electronic braking first yeah and so the regenerative braking when you you know hit the brakes it charges the batteries before your mechanical brakes kick in so mm-hmm well, we're just slightly over halfway through our show, and we should talk about the fact that we're over halfway through our friendship drive. We've raised 59% of the money needed to keep this station on the air. Yes. Thank you, everybody. I've been doing this radio show just over 18 years, and every year we step forward and you step forward to keep this station on the air. I travel a lot, and... I found out there's less than 30 community radio stations in the Midwest. Yeah. And somehow we sustain in this little town a community radio station. Yeah. And it's a wonderful thing to have. And we're able to sustain it because people like you care and they donate. (laughs) Give us a call at 618-457-3691 or check us out online at wdbx.org slash donate. And, you know, I know there are people listening on the live stream, too, who may not even be in Southern Illinois, but they enjoy the diversity of programming we have here. Yeah, when I travel, I listen online. So it's it's a nice way to stay connected to my community and know what's happening and know that people here are still keeping things together while I'm gone, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, so your donations, of course, are tax deductible because we are a nonprofit community radio station. Give a call, 457-3691. Give us a pledge. Pledge to support community. Put the U in community. (laughs) Yeah, put the U in community. 
So let's see what holidays we've got going on this week. We have the autumn equinox, fall equinox. We're going to skip the two cities. Oh, we missed that one, didn't we? Uh, yeah, this is an important one. <laughs> They're all important, aren't they? <laughs> Just like two, two major cities demand fossil fuel companies pay for climate damages. Wait a second, what? So it's not just people like me making these sorts of claims anymore. So, cities. I, mean, they, I mean, they sued tobacco companies for the you know premature deaths from tobacco. Yeah. Now they're suing companies for climate damages. So it's basically you are responsible for what your company does. Wow, that's a thought. <laughs> so San Francisco and Oakland are the two latest cities looking to take major fossil fuels companies to court over their role in fueling climate change. City attorneys announced on Wednesday that they had filed lawsuits with state courts in San Francisco and Alameda counties, alleging that a handful of fossil fuel producers not only contributed to climate change through their business practices, but did so knowingly. That's did a major so part of it. knowingly. Yeah, because if mean, you have they, no clue, you can claim some degree of, uh, you know, trying to get off the hook. But, but they knew. They've unearthed, yeah, I mean, documents that not only did they know, but they actively work to make it seem like they weren't doing it yeah hashtag exxon new <laughs> like, I, I think i've still got that as my twitter cover for like a year or two now <laughs> hashtag exxon new so they are they're proceeding with this the cities are asking fossil fuel producers to pay into a fund that would be used to pay for current and future damages associated with sea level rise so this is a very specific case they're doing several of the top companies and they're specifically dealing with sea level rise the, yeah, the litigation mirrors the lawsuits brought earlier this summer by two California counties and the city of Imperial Beach. It signals a growing movement of cities attempting to hold fossil fuel companies accountable for their contribution to climate change through the courts. Now, all five lawsuits allege that fossil fuel companies have caused widespread harm to the communities by knowingly releasing greenhouse gas emissions into the atmosphere, which in turn fuels climate change. Legal experts note similarities between these climate-related public nuisance claims and claims brought against tobacco companies in the mid-1990s, which alleged that companies had created a public nuisance by knowingly selling harmful products. The tobacco suits eventually culminated in a $206 billion settlement. Yeah. Now, unlike previous lawsuits, however, those filed by San Francisco... And Oakland are narrower in scope, asking just five major fossil fuel producers to create a fund to pay for current and future adaptation to sea level rise. Now, it might actually reach the point where the companies themselves want like a national or international settlement, because if every city that is affected gets a few million from them, right. that'll be billions and maybe but even trillions. But they can stretch it out. I mean, if San Francisco and Oakland are just saying, you know, set aside $100 million for us, you know, be, you know, at, as a fund, and if each city starts asking that, you know, it'll cost them less probably in the long term, and they, you know, it stretches it out, so yeah. they don't have to come up with a bunch of money. Yeah. This, so basically, they're saying, you know, you're wrong. You know, you're wrong. Set aside money for <laughs> us. Pay up, <laughs> and we won't sue you majorly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like so. The interesting thing is right now. We have the Jewish New Year, we have International Day of Peace, mm. and we have the Autumn Equinox. Yeah. All on the same time. It's an exciting time. It's a time of thinking, um, 
and if we want to get real uh yeah it's like a time of renewal a time of um starting yeah so i guess hopefully if we've we put a lot of work into pursuing peace and now we can have a harvest of peace that we're harvesting hopefully now it says it's native american day i have never heard of that i've heard of native american month but yeah so maybe that's a new one so we have coming up checkers day dog and politics day uh, international rabbit day oktoberfest begins in germany Oh, National Cherries Jubilee Day. National Comic Book Day. I bet there'll be some local celebrations of that one. Johnny Appleseed Day. Crush a Can Day. Now, one of my favorite days, Ask a Stupid Question Day. Yeah. Now, I wonder if Ask a Stupid Question Day is also Get a Stupid Answer Day. (laughs) Or if that's a separate day. (laughs) Uh, The next day is National Good Neighbor Day. So, you answer stupidly, and then the next day you apologize as a good neighbor. (laughs) Yeah. Just like... (laughs) All right, so National Preparedness Month, as we mentioned. Uh, This is a month to catch up on your disaster preparedness. It's also Baby Safety Month and Better Breakfast Month. National Courtesy Month and Self-Improvement Month. Yeah, and Hispanic Heritage Month. Well, That's good because uh, tonight is the Latino Heritage Festival at the Fourth Friday Fair. Yeah. They pick pick. So as we've mentioned, we are in the WDBX Fall Friendship Drive. WDBX Fall Friendship Drive runs from September 15th to the 22nd with a goal of 12,000. We, we've hit 59% and today um, it is the day that we really want to push hard because if you've been thinking about doing it, now's the time to do it because, well... We need you as part of community. Yes, today is the grand finale. So 618-457-3691 or online at wdbx.org slash donate. And as always, I absolutely love that um, you listen to us because we do put a lot of time and energy and I've been putting it in 18 years and you put it in at least 16. Yeah. Keeping the show on the air. And we thank you for listening and supporting your our community radio yeah thank you for your support so tonight's the dance party yeah tonight's the dance party it's the fourth friday fair latino heritage it's coming up tonight 6 p.m to 9 p.m at the carbondale town square pavilion they're happy to team up with asai uh, asai kabe it's an acronym i think yeah Uh, yeah to celebrate latino heritage this fourth friday fair there will be live music from tierra roja Free lessons, Zumba Flamenco lessons, and there are giveaways from Michael Harris Country uh, Financial, art activities, kids' activities, local vendors, food, and BYOB. So it's a huge party with dancing and dance lessons. Uh, and did we mention live music and dancing? Yeah. It's like. And there may also be dancing. <laughs> Will there be dancing? I think so. All right. Latin music. Get the dance on. Wild and scenic Film Festival in Carbondale. That's today, 6 to 8.30 p.m. in the Goyan Auditorium at Morris Library. Prairie Rivers Network is excited to bring one of the largest environmental film festivals to Southern Illinois. That's today. Doors open at 5.30. Film program begins at 6. There is uh, 
what do you call it, a cost, but the money goes to the Prairie Rivers Network. Sounds like a good deal. Also coming up, Fresh Fitness on Saturdays, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. at Turley Park. Now, it's almost running out. They extended it through the end of September, but uh, it's still going for this Saturday. So they are uh, they have exercises there in the park, Fresh Fitness, and they ask you to wear comfortable clothing and bring a water bottle, bo- bottle towel, or yoga mat. Uh, they, they do suggest a donation. And for more information, you can call 618-559-1939. As we had our special guest on the, earlier, the For Kids Sake 7th Annual Superhero 5K. Today's the last day to get the early registration in. Um, For Kids Sake is an international fundraising project that helps children, schools, and orphanage in Bangladesh. The For Kids Sake Superhero 5K is not this Friday, but next Friday. But today is the last day to get early registration in and make sure you have your you have a week to get your costume together. So <laughs> yep. thank you for listening to Your Community Spirit on Your Community Radio. Give us a call, 457-3691. Thank you for listening. Thank you.